Our scripture lesson today is taken from John chapter 12, John chapter 12, page 1,239, 1,239 in the Pew Bible, and we'll begin reading at verse 35 and read through the end of the chapter with particular attention to verses 44 through 50. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 35. Then Jesus said to them, a little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. And the word of Isaiah, that the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which spoke, The Lord, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their heart, and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but him who sent me, and he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a commandment, what, should, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Thus far the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to it. Beloved of the Lord, in this passage we have, we hear Jesus at the end of his public ministry. And he ends his public ministry before the crowds with an urgent appeal to believe in him. He has uh, uh, urged them uh, to uh, walk in the light while they have the light with them. That light is about to be extinguished in effect that uh, his public ministry is coming to an end. And he uh, is urging them uh, this one final time to put their faith in him. Now I want to take note of, uh, first of all, the fact that this is the, the end of his public ministry. You may recall that in John's Gospel, his public ministry begins with the ministry of John the Baptist, who pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. When John's disciples saw <coughs> that uh, the crowds were following Jesus more than they were following John, uh, John explained to them that that's the way it should be. Uh, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. Uh, John uh, <coughs> helped uh, his public ministry to get off to a good start. 
John uh, traces uh, Jesus' uh, ministry, his uh, Samaritan ministry, several trips to uh, Jerusalem for various uh, feasts, and uh, describes uh, Jesus' miraculous works, although Jesus performed uh, thousands of miracles. John focuses especially on seven miracles that displayed the glory of God, uh, the changing of water into wine, the healing of the nobleman's son from a great distance, the healing at the pool of Bethesda of a man who had been disabled for 38 years, and the feeding of the 5,000, the uh, walking on water, the healing of the man born blind, and finally uh, the uh, raising of Lazarus from the dead. Uh, John has uh, described this public ministry, giving us several accounts of Jesus' extended discourses to the crowds, but now that ministry is coming to an end. The end of the ministry began with his anointing at Bethany, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the Gentiles asking to see him, which Jesus interpreted as a sign that his hour had come. And now Jesus makes this final appeal to the crowd to come out of the darkness and walk in the light and uh, put their faith in him, receive his word. Uh, that is how he concludes his public ministry. After this, of course, John describes a, a private ministry to the disciples in the upper room and Jesus' high priestly prayer and the betrayal and the trial and the crucifixion, the death and resurrection of Christ, and then more private ministry to his disciples. But after this, Jesus does not speak to the crowds anymore. He doesn't give sermons anymore. He doesn't perform miracles in front of the crowds anymore. This is the end of his public ministry. And I, I bring that to your attention because <clears throat> Jesus is uh, bringing it to our attention. He says, the light isn't going to be with you much longer. And, and that is true, not just historically for that generation that Jesus was about to depart and go back to his Father, but it's true also that in every age and in every place, the, the ministry of Jesus to to the multitudes, uh, to the congregations, to the people at large, isn't forever. It, it does come to an end. And you need to be aware of that so that you make use of the ministry of Jesus among you while it is available, while it is yet called today, says the author of Hebrews, while it is still the day of salvation, because it won't always be that way for each one of you. There's going to come a point in a time in your life where the opportunity to hear the Word of God and to repent and believe will come to an end. I know that uh, uh, sometimes uh, young people think, you know, this, this religion stuff, uh, it's, for, it's for later. It's for when I grow up. It's for when uh, I become an adult. I don't have to think about it now. And there are adults also who think, well, this is, I don't need to be concerned about this now. I can put it off. Uh, I had uh, one uh, person uh, tell me uh, recently that uh, when he listens to me preach, he says, it's so very easy to, to turn you off <laughs> in my mind. Just uh, uh, turn the switch and think about something else and put it off for a, a later time. Well, that later time may be too late. Jesus warns this generation and warns us that uh, make use of the light while the light is still with you, while the gospel is still being proclaimed to you. Well, with that in mind, let us uh, uh, begin to look at this uh, urgent plea by which he uh, calls them to, to, to faith, uh, beginning in verse uh, 44. 
where it says, Jesus cried out and said to them, he who believes in me. Now, <clears throat> I want you to take note there that it says uh, he cried out. I, I want you to, to, first of all, understand the, the urgency with which he is speaking here. I took the time to uh, look at the uh, Greek New Testament and that word cry and see what, what exactly was it, uh, is that word, uh, uh, what does it mean? Does it simply mean that he had to shout in order to be heard? And I discovered that, uh, that the Greek word that is used there, that is translated uh, cry out, is, is a word that's used uh, in various uh, contexts to convey great emotion. It's uh, a word that is used to uh, describe a, a woman in labor uh, crying out, or uh, a soldier about to uh, go into battle. It's uh, his battle cry that he cries out as uh, he charges uh, into the enemy. It's uh, the cry of a, a man who has received a, a mortal, painful wound in battle and is about to, knows he's about to expire and cries out uh, in the death throes uh, as he uh, falls down in battle. Uh, these are the kinds of uh, uh, instances in which uh, this word uh, can be used. It's uh, uh, a word that implies strong emotional content, uh, not merely just uh, shouting to make himself heard. Well, why is Jesus crying out with emotion uh, at this end of his public ministry? Well, there's a, a couple of reasons that are evident in the text that Jesus is crying out. Uh, first of all, he's crying out with emotion because of the subject matter of which he is speaking. Uh, what he is uh, speaking about is a matter of life and death for his hearers. He's urgent because eternal life uh, hangs in the balance. He's uh, talking about remaining or not remaining in the darkness. If you accept and, and keep his word, you will come out of the darkness and into the light and participate in what he calls the salvation of the world. If you reject his word, you will remain in the darkness and not be saved and be uh, judged and condemned by the very words that you are rejecting. It's literally a matter of life and death, and so he's urgent to, to get your attention. That's why he cries out. But <clears throat> there's another reason for his urgency, and the, the, that reason is also that uh, he's been doing this for three years now, this public ministry, performing so many miracles among them, and and yet there are so few people who truly believe in him. After thousands of miracles and the seven great miracles that uh, John records, uh, uh, we read in uh, verse uh, 35 there, uh, <clears throat> that, or verse uh, 36, uh, these things, but although he, excuse me, verse 37, but although he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him and even some who did believe, some among the leaders, uh, were cowards with respect to that faith because they loved the praise that comes from men more than they loved the praise that comes from God. They were unwilling to confess Jesus publicly, and uh, Jesus had warned that if you're ashamed of me and my uh, name, then I will be ashamed of you. If you don't name me before men, I will not name you before my Father. So that such faith is, is insincere faith. It's not true faith. It's a cowardly faith when uh, people say, yeah, I, I know about Jesus, and I, be I believe that's true, but I'm not going to uh, uh, make a fool of myself by standing up publicly and uh, 
standing against the world. Uh, Christians are, are mocked and ridiculed in the world, and I don't want to be mocked and ridiculed. I don't want to be censored. I don't want to be canceled uh, by the world, and so I'll, I'll keep my uh, faith secret. Uh, well, that's, that's not real faith, and Jesus is distressed about this, that there are so few that b- uh, believe in him. Uh, this strikes at the at the very heart of why he came into the world. He says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And here there are, three years after three years, there's so many who are still in the darkness. Sadly, that still happens today, that the word goes forth and uh, the gospel is proclaimed, proclaimed in the churches, proclaimed in the world, and yet there are so many who remain in darkness. I heard this past week that only 15% of Americans go to church regularly. And I know that even among the people who go to church regularly, there are those who are tuning out what they're hearing. They, they, they just prefer not to hear it. They're there for other reasons, to be seen or uh, out of fear that if what might happen if they don't go, you know, maybe it's a sense of legalistic obligation that they have to do it in order to be assured that uh, God will uh, be nice to them and so forth. But for whatever reason, they've tuned out the gospel and aren't listening. And, and Jesus is distressed about that, that there are so many who don't believe. He has a heart of compassion, a heart of compassion. He, he looks out upon the crowds and sees them as sheep without a shepherd, and he wants to feed them, and he's been doing that for three years, and still there are so many who don't believe. He says, I have come to be a light. I have come as a light. What exactly does that mean, I have come as a light? Well, it it doesn't mean that if you uh, press uh, his uh, belly button, uh, a light goes on and you don't need a lamp in the room if it's dark because Jesus is with you and he's a light. It's, it's not literally that he glows or that he's luminescent. That's not what it means when he says, uh, I have come as a light. It's a metaphor, of course, a metaphor uh, which is uh, rich in uh, meaning throughout the Bible. The light stands for uh, truth and knowledge and so forth. Uh, we see the metaphor used, for example, in the Psalm, Psalm 43, verse 3, send out your light and your truth, let them lead me. Or Psalm 119, verse uh, 105, uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Or uh, the same Psalm, verse 130, the unfolding of your words give light, it imparts understanding. Here, Jesus' is uh, coming as a light refers to the fact that Jesus is the agent of the Father, the, the representative of the Father, the revealer of the Father, both with respect to his words and with respect to his works. In uh, verse 49, he says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And again, he says in verse 50, uh, I speak whatever the Father has told me to speak, so I speak. Uh, Every word that he utters is the Father's word, and every work that he does is the work that the Father gave him to do. 
In his high priestly prayer, he says to his father, I have glorified you on earth, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. He doesn't come to do his own work. He comes to do the work of him who sent, me, sent him. So perfectly does he uh, uh, represent the father that if you believe in Jesus, you're, you're not believing in Jesus so much as you are believing in uh, the father who sent him. Faith in Jesus is, is not merely faith in a, in a prophet or a, a human agent authorized to speak for God. Faith in Jesus is faith in God himself through the instrumentality of him who is the supreme and ultimate revelation of God, God's own Son, the divine Word made flesh. Jesus so perfectly represents the Father that he can say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That shouldn't surprise us. The, the Bible is clear that, that Jesus represents the Father in a full way that has never been seen before in human history. Paul says in Colossians 2, for, for in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. In him the fullness of the whole deity dwells bodily. Uh, Jesus embodies deity. And so to see him is to see the Father. Or the author of Hebrews says, uh, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact, exact imprint of his nature. He is the radiance of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Seeing Jesus is seeing the Father. Thus, uh, it is because Jesus is the supreme revelation of the Father that he says, I have come as a light. And it is because he has come as a light that he can bring you and me out of darkness. Although you and I live under the light of the sun by day and the moon and the stars by night, and although we can go to that switches back on the wall under the clock and turn on these lights and always have light around us, nevertheless, our condition as fallen sinners is that of darkness. Paul writes about those who have uh, exchanged the truth of God for, uh, for a lie and worship and served the creature rather than the creator who do not honor God as God nor give thanks to him. He says about them, they uh, became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Or again, he writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians 4 and says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. In the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Their minds are futile. Their understanding is darkened they are ignorant of the truth. That is our natural condition as fallen sinners. We weren't created that way. We were created with true knowledge, but because of sin, that knowledge has become corrupted and our minds have become corrupted, and now we need Jesus to enlighten us. He comes to dispel the darkness and to reveal God to us and enable us to, to see the glory of God, the apostle writing in 2 Corinthians 4 says that God, the God who said, let light shine out of darkness has, has caused, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, we see in Jesus, in his face, the light of the glory of God. 
He is the light of the world who has come to enlighten us, to call us out of darkness. And it is because he has come of, uh, as, as light that we are able to escape being condemned and, and judged. And Jesus asserts here that he has not come to, uh, to judge the world. He says something very similar to that in John chapter 3 when he says, I have not come to condemn the world. Now, if you, uh, if you know your, uh, your Bible well, you know that there are passages that tell us something that seems to be a direct contradiction to that. Uh, Jesus says, I've not come to condemn the world, I've not come to judge the world, but in John chapter 5, he says, for the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And you can turn to a passage like uh, Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus is depicted uh, seated upon the throne of judgment, and all mankind is gathered before him, and he judges, and he, uh, he rewards some and, and condemns others. Uh, how, how is it that Jesus says, I have not come to condemn, and I have not come to judge? How do we reconcile that with Jesus on the throne at the end uh, giving judgment? Well, you reconcile it by recognizing that the coming of Jesus is in two stages. He came once uh, to uh, bring salvation to those who are uh, seeking it and waiting for it, and uh, will come again uh, to judge the living and the dead. His first coming is for salvation. His second coming is for judgment, to put it in uh, simple terms. And, but what he wants us to understand here is that on that last day, he, he talks about the last day here, the end of this age, when that judgment comes, the judgment will be by the standard of the word that you have heard now, the word of Jesus. You will be judged by whether you have kept those words by believing in him and following him and, and striving to serve him or whether you have rejected those words. The words will be used as the standard by which you will be judged. Or to put it differently, you, you'll be judged on the basis of what you know, what, what you have already heard, what has been revealed to you. Uh, that's very fair, isn't it? Uh, that uh, you're not going to be held accountable for things you don't know. You'll be held accountable for what you do know. And so if you're sitting there and uh, hearing but tuning it out and uh, keeping Christ at arm's length, uh, there'll be trouble before you because you did hear it. You, you did uh, <clears throat> understand what was uh, being said, uh, but you chose to, to just say, no, I'm not now. I'm going to leave that for later or whatever, or that's not for me. I don't want to suffer the consequences that go with it. And so you, uh, you tuned it out, but Jesus said, you do that, and uh, this will be the standard by which you will be judged. And so all, in all this, Jesus is, is making an urgent plea for people to, to believe in him. Believe in him because he is the agent of the Father, revealing the Father so perfectly that believing in him is believing in the Father and seeing him is seeing the Father. Believe in him because uh, he has come to bring you out of the darkness, out of ignorance, out of futile thinking. Believe in him because he has come to save you from the judgment to come. This is his appeal to the crowds at the end of his ministry and his appeal to you today. For uh, we do not know how much longer we will have uh, the light with us or how much longer you will have the light. Uh, he appeals to you. Now this faith is, is, is vital. That's why he's so urgent. It's a, it's a matter of life and death. But it's not just a, a matter of life and death with regard to the future. 
It has great benefit even for the present. You know, some people think that the gospel is only for the lost, but the gospel is for believers as well and has great practical importance for their lives because the more you who believe in him see him and understand him, the more you see and understand the Father. And the more you see and understand the Father, the more you understand that he is a God of love and a God of mercy. And that can be a tremendous help to you in this life now as you are called to suffer various trials. Although faith in Christ enables you to escape the wrath to come, faith in Christ does not exempt you from suffering here and now. John uh, writes in his uh, first epistle, now you have to suffer grief through all kinds of trials. And Jesus says, in this world you will have tribulation. Those trials that, that you are experiencing now, you who believe in him, include sickness and uh, disability and bereavement and grief, broken relationships in the family, whether it's uh, broken marriages or rebellious children. You experience trials and tribulations as you uh, go to work and you experience the thorns and the thistles and the futility of our labors that cause us to eat our bread by the sweat of our brow. You experience the indignities and infirmities of old age and the heart-wrenching anxiety that you feel when you see your loved ones suffer. That too is a trial, a trial that uh, you suffer when you see other people suffering, people especially that you love and wish that, that, that they didn't have to suffer. These are the trials of, of this present age where we uh, are afflicted in all kinds of different ways. How does faith in Jesus help you now? <laughs> well, faith in Jesus helps you now because uh, through Jesus, you see the Father, and through, the, through Jesus, you see that the Father is a God of love, and, and the more you, you understand the love of God, the more you understand that he, he cares for you now and has given you great and precious promises for, for the present. He has promised that uh, in all our sufferings, He will work all things together for our good and for our salvation. How can you believe that? How can you be sure of that? Well, you can be sure of it because of the gospel, because Christ suffered for you and died for you and, and paid for your sins. And as Paul says in Romans 8, having not withheld your son, his son, how will he not also along with him graciously give, give you all things? The gospel proves that he loves you. The cross proves that he loves you and, and that his love is not just for escaping the judgment to come. His love is for now, and His promise to work all things together for good is, is for now. You know, Jesus it says in Hebrews chapter 12, for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. For the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. In other words, He was anticipating future glory and future joy, the joy of returning to his Father, and also I, I think especially the joy of saving a people who will be with him uh, in the Father's presence. He was anticipating that joy, and that joy gave him strength to endure the cross. And so it is that when you are convinced that God loves you and has uh, great things in store for you as you look forward in faith to that day when God's uh, grace will be made complete in your life, that 
that joy will sustain you now and so that you can rejoice in suffering, not because of suffering, not that we enjoy our sufferings, but in our sufferings we can rejoice because, number one, we know that it's not punishment. Our sufferings are not punishment. God is not punishing us for our sins. It's loving discipline. Christ bore all the punishment. He's not punishing you now when you suffer various trials because Christ paid it all, uh, paid the debt of your sin. And secondly, these sufferings are for our good, for they produce uh, uh, character, and character produces perseverance, and perseverance produces uh, hope. Uh, these sufferings uh, enable us to mature in our faith and, and uh, make our lives redound to the glory of Christ on the day in which He is uh, revealed. <clears throat> There's still a lot of darkness in the world, but those who have Jesus have hope. They have light. They need not be afraid. By faith in Jesus, we share in the victory over sin and death and hell. By faith in Jesus, we're delivered from the sin, from the tyranny of sin and the devil. By faith in Jesus, we, we know that God is a, a beloved father, not an angry judge. By faith in Jesus, we are assured that our suffering is for our good and works together for good. By faith in Jesus, we are uh, we can look forward to a new world in which righteousness dwells and ever-increasing joy and peace and glory. His light shows us our sin and our need for Him, but His light also leads us forward out of the darkness and uh, into a world of great glory and, and love and peace. Uh, we have the down payment of that future blessing in the forgiveness of sins and in our adoption as children and in the glorious inheritance that will be ours. We have a down payment in the presence and power of the Spirit in our lives. We have a down payment of future glory in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper where we gather around His table in anticipation of sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb in the future. All these things are given to us now to encourage us and to strengthen us as we uh, suffer in this present life and look forward to the fullness of our salvation when he returns. May God indeed open your eyes to see the light, to see the light that Jesus is and to put your faith in him and uh, know that as you put your faith in him, you are putting your faith in God himself. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus has come as a light to dispel the darkness, to bring us out of the futile, futile thinking and ignorance and, and uh, sinful ways. We pray, O oh Father, that uh, you would open our eyes uh, to the light, that we may see, that we may understand and believe and have joy even now and uh, in anticipation of greater joy to come. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.